You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. NFL show on the Grilly True Sports Network. The NFL show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use the promo code TGT20 for 20% off and free shipping. I'm your host for the NFL show, Mike Goodpaster. Right now, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? I'm doing great. I was doing better, but now I got to introduce our guest, former Indiana Hoosier, still to this day, 1981 national champion, He's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, Steve Risley. How you doing, Steve? Doing great today. Big win for the Colts. Happy. Yeah. All right. Let's get to more important stuff, though, which let's start off with the Buffalo Bills. Dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm pretty sure somebody's been telling somebody else that this was going to happen. But, Sam, there are definite issues in Pittsburgh with the offense. Do you agree with me yet? Yeah, no, I'm starting to come around here. I mentioned to it before the pre-show. I totally agree with you here. The offense is a problem. It's the running game. It's the offensive line. The running game, let's face it, the running backs, they're, they're decent, but they're not that great. The offensive line, it's old. I think the offensive line probably needs to be what Pittsburgh should address this offseason. And then Ben Roethlisberger, he looks like what I thought Phillip Rivers would look like this year. I mean, realize what it is. His arm is shot. His lower body, when you watch his lower body move, if there's no power coming from there. Like, half his throws come off one leg. He's not playing whatsoever. It just looks like his knees are a problem at this point. His elbow is probably still a problem. I think Big Ben, I mean, I hate to say it, but really, last year with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges, I thought Ben was going to really be, give some juice in this offense. He really hasn't, at least not the past couple of weeks. And he's trending towards retirement. I don't know if he could go another year. Yeah, and when we look at Josh Allen, what he did night, last night, Steve, the thing that was impressive to me was he got his ass kicked for most of the first half. And he figured it out, he overcame it, and he put on a show at the end of the first half and through the second half. Yeah, I, I kind of playing along the same theme. To me, last night, Pittsburgh just looked tired. Uh, they looked like the season was finally wearing them down a little bit. They're an older football team um, for the most part. Ben did not – he looked tired out there. Um and I thought that you could see the youth and exuberance in, in Buffalo's football team, and they, they just kept building on that momentum, almost like each play as the game wore on and on and on, and, and Pittsburgh just got more tired. I mean, this is, a, this is a signal of where things could fall out here. Is it, Mike, your prediction all along that Pittsburgh is going to fade here toward the end? Looks like it's coming to fruition right now. Uh, I'm kind of happy about it because in two weeks we got to go to Pittsburgh, uh, the Colts do, and play them out there, and, and it might be a good time to catch them because they'll get to feeling cocky about themselves playing the Bengals next week. So, no, they won't. Nobody gets cocky by beating the <laughs> Bengals. Everybody beats the Bengals. Jeez. But I, I just, I just been watching that game. I, I just felt Buffalo looked tired. You mean Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. Well, the thing is this: I think we've talked about, or at least I have teams taking on their coach's mentality. And I think that's what you see with the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott. This is a team that even when things aren't going right, 
they just keep playing. They don't get discouraged, and they just keep going. The second half adjustments were all made by Buffalo. Pittsburgh had no answers for it. It, it still comes back to me when you're missing Devin Bush and you're missing D- Bud Dupree, that defense still played really, really well. And it's still, without those two guys, they're a top-five defense. And as we were talking off air, Sam, if the Steelers had any kind of an offense at all, they're up 14 to nothing or 17 to nothing before Buffalo even figures this out. Exactly. I mean, they had an interception. They had an force fumble at times. They knocked the ball away from Josh Allen at one point but didn't fall on it. What we're really seeing is Pittsburgh's defense is dominating during the first half. But by the middle of the third quarter, they're starting to look a little tired. That's because the offense is not holding the ball long enough. Pittsburgh's defense, I mean, the second second half, their team is just being out there. Their defense is out there too long, and clearly they're starting to lose their legs a little bit. But I switched by the fourth quarter because the offense is not possessing the ball whatsoever. I mean, Pittsburgh, they had Avery Williamson and Marcus Allen, a former defense back where they're starting linebackers last night. Those are third stringers, and they were still playing very good football. It just comes down to the fact the offense can't do anything. It was a great day in the NFL, David Burnworth said. Dallas won and Pittsburgh went down in flames. Dallas didn't even play an NFL team, so I don't know why that counts. Uh, Mike, is there there a chance that Buffalo can pass uh, Pittsburgh for the number two seed? Yeah, because I think the Cleveland Browns are going to win the division. I think the Browns are going to beat the Ravens tonight, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I think the Browns are going to win the division. I think they're going to beat Pittsburgh at the end of the year. I think that Pittsburgh will be somewhere in the five or six range and may have to play Cleveland right away in the playoffs. There you go. There you go, Sam. It doesn't sound so crazy as when I said it like two or three weeks ago now, does it? Well, you know, I I think Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, they've got to go to Denver next week, which, you know, Denver didn't look bad yesterday. Uh, Drew Locke did not have a bad game. I know we'll get to that game. Um, they have some kind of quarterbacking semblance going at all out there. They improve their, their times of game. Plus, here's a team that we all think is tired, looks tired, and where are they going to go play? They're going to go play in Cincinnati, Steve, on Monday night. Oh, they play – they don't play Denver? The Bills no. play Denver. Oh, the Bills, the Bills play, Denver. play Denver. That's right, yeah. In your defense, though, Steve, Bengals starts with a B just like Broncos does. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I forgot. The way ESPN does their stuff, it's goofy. So Yes, blame it on ESPN. And, Next since, up, and since I'm not privy to the uh, pregame um, uh, show, uh, work you guys do, and I just have to jump in on my own. Really? Uh, without the ability our, our to. Our pregame work was Sam yeah. getting on a minute before you, me making fun of the size of your head, and then mm, that was about it. Yeah, it I, really was. You didn't miss anything, Steve. We don't prepare. We come on at 12.58. We start the show right as we're both on. We had to wait till 12.59 today to get you on. That is our preparedness. Because I was trying to figure out my wife's new iPad. All right. Did you figure it out? No, I think so. Well, obviously, not if I thought that Pittsburgh was playing at Buffalo or at uh, Denver. <laughs> I didn't quite get that one down all the way. All right. But I've got it now. Next up, I believe the upset of the year so far, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the New Orleans Saints 24-21, and a 10-2 team with a playoff berth already clinched with one of the best defenses in the NFL isn't exactly an ideal matchup for a rookie quarterback making his first start. But Jalen Hurts played his ass off yesterday. Uh, They get to win 24-21, and they let Miles Sanders run the ball, which they didn't do when Carson Wentz was the starting quarterback. He ran for 115 yards and two scores on 14 carries. And Hurts 
was 17 of 30 for 167 yards, an impressive touchdown pass. He stood in the pocket with the Saints rush bearing down on him during the fourth quarter and, you know, fired a huge pass to Alshon Jeffrey for the score. Jalen Hurts has to be the story of this game for me, Steve. Um, that in, in, in New Orleans' quarterback, Ty, you know, I mean, maybe his, his Cinderella story is coming a little bit to an end now. Um, I didn't think he looked very good, very impressive at all. And I think to put all your stock in him making a playoff run, I don't know. What is the prognosis on Breeze being back? Is he going to – I mean, I, we know if, if, if he can walk, Drew's going to try and play. But yeah, I can tell you a, they're optimistic about him being back. They said he could be back as soon as this coming week. I don't think he's going to play this weekend. They're going to be extra cautious with him. So I expect week 16 versus the Minnesota Vikings, you'll probably see Drew Brees. For some time, they probably are not going to play him an entire game. Yeah, and the thing yeah, is, I don't know about that. Taysom Hill, even his touchdown passes weren't exactly work of works of art, but great catches by Sanders and yeah. Jared Cook. I mean, I, I think that you know what we said, or me and Sam said all along about Taysom Hill being a starting quarterback was crazy. I think they got lucky that it's happened to play the Atlanta Falcons twice, and they lost the game. It doesn't kill them. I believe they're still sitting as the number one seed in the NFC. If Drew Brees is back next week, Sam, I expect everything will be all right in the world for the Saints. I think it will, but they're actually not number one anymore. The number one team, I'm pretty sure at this point, is the Green Bay Packers, who also have a 10-3 record. So Green Bay has briefly overtaken yeah. the New Orleans Saints for the top seed. And what my biggest takeaways from the game were is Philadelphia called a much better game. The play calling was much better. You ran the ball 36 times. I don't think there's been a game this year where they've ran the ball 36 times. I mean, they really, they, they let Carson, they let Jalen Hurts run the offense, let him run, let him do everything he wanted to do. And frankly, they didn't have had this good of a play calling in the past. This has not been what we've seen from them with Carson Wentz under center. They've had ridiculous calls. And this point, you know, they let the offense go. And I really thought it was a great showing by Jalen Hurts. He's going to be the starting quarterback probably for the rest of the year at this point. And as for New Orleans, Taysom Hill, that defense, that defense was not ready. They've shown ways to beat that defense now. It'll be interesting to see if other teams take advantage of what we saw the Philadelphia Eagles do. Well, right. you know, and that bodes a question. What do you do with Carson Wentz now? I mean, do you just – I mean, this guy is, what, a $30 million a year quarterback. Uh, he's a bona fide star in the NFL. Um, well, he's, he's had a rough stretch. Uh, do, do you – is he permanently benched or – He can't be. It's Jalen Hurts. for the rest of the year. Jalen Hurts. the year. Jalen Hurts has played one game. You got to let yeah. him play this out before you have that case, because if he comes out and he sucks the last three games of the season, then it's Carson Wentz. But if Jalen Hurts could continue to do this, Jalen Hurts was what a second round pick, Sam. It's yep, going to be a, it's going to be a lot cheaper, and it's going to be a lot easier to build that team once you get rid of Carson Wentz's contract. And there's places like Indianapolis and Chicago that may give up a lot for Carson Wentz. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles are also projected to be way over the salary cap, like $60 million over the salary cap next year. So if you could move that contract in the offseason, that would be huge. But Grant, Jalen Hurts, I mean, I've had questions about him coming out of college, so I'm not really sure that you want to buy him Jalen Hurts based on I me mean, a four-game sample. So, I mean, Drew Locke went, what, four and one last year in five games? Hey, Sam, so Sam, let me give you this, though. He's better than Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts? Yes. He was better right. in college. He's better right now. Kyler Murray is a slightly above average quarterback. I think Jalen Hurts is also, but I think Jalen Hurts actually throws the ball from the pocket better than what Kyler Murray does. I think that he can make all the throws. 
Kyler Murray's probably got more arm strength. You know, Kyler Murray can take off running for 90 yards. Jalen Hurts, to me, I'm not going to – he's like a poor man's uh, Russell Wilson would be the way I would compare him. And I think this, I think that Russell Wilson was treated the same way coming out of college, out of NC State and Wisconsin – where he transferred, I think, to Wisconsin at the end. And he was like a second or third round pick. Nobody thought he was that good. He's too small. His arm strength's not enough. But Jalen Hurts is a winner. And Jalen Hurts can stand in the pocket and throw. And that's what everybody misses here. I mean, everybody always looking for a two-way threat as a quarterback. That's great if the main threat is, I can throw the ball. When your secondary threat is, I can run the ball, you can win a Super Bowl. When your primary threat, i.e. Lamar Jackson, is I can run the ball and my secondary threat is I can throw the ball, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Mike, Mike, how much stock do you throw into teams right now when you take a look at New Orleans uh, and Philadelphia? And and both teams are definitely playing on different roads. I mean, Philadelphia is playing for next year. Well, Philadelphia can still win the division. the 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 Saints are playing – you know, not to make them, they're in the playoffs, but they're playing for home field advantage and playoff positioning all throughout the playoffs. So, I mean, does that change the pressure on each of these young quarterbacks coming in and create different pathways for them? It changes the pressure, but the Eagles, you know, if they, I mean, they beat the Saints, if they could beat the Cardinals, they play the Redskins at the end of the season, they play the Cowboys. If they win out here, I would say you got a 50-50 shot of winning this division. And if Alex Smith can't play and Dwayne Haskins does play, the Eagles have a real shot to win this division, Sam. Yeah, they really do. I mean, they would get to seven wins if they went out here. Washington is currently six and seven, so there's not a ton of wiggle room. But you forget that the Eagles also have that tie. So even if Washington wins one more game, Philadelphia could still win out and get the first spot in this division. The Eagles have a fairly, I want to say, easy end of schedule compared to a team like Washington or even the Giants who have tougher games. Washington plays Seattle – the Panthers, and then the Eagles, and the Giants, who are now one game behind Washington, play Cleveland, Baltimore, and then Dallas. So I think the Eagles actually have a fairly decent, a fairly easy schedule here at the end, as long as Jalen Hurts plays consistently. They have a shot to make a run this division. Yeah, yeah I, just, I, I think Jalen Hurts was put here, Steve, because they were trying to win this game so they would have a chance to do something. Yeah. Either that or Doug Peterson wanted to show everybody he was right all along. But the great thing of this for Doug Peterson is, if Jalen Hurts just wins one or two more games and gives people hope, maybe Doug Peterson keeps his job. Yeah, and I, I'm sure I, I would keep it from Jalen Hurts as long as I could that they have a chance to make the playoffs because I think that Jalen Hurts is rear end will pucker real quick. I don't know why you would say that. This is a man who played at Alabama, played in national championship games. Um, and, and Jalen Hurts was the guy, if you remember, got benched at halftime of a national championship game for Tua Tungvaloa. And, you know, Tua comes in and wins him a national championship. The next year, this is a kid that caused no issues with Tua as the starting quarterback, even though he'd lost his job. And I think Hurts won a national championship his first year at Alabama. This is a kid that I think it's safe to say has a high character level. And I think that when you look at a guy with high character that puts the team before himself, that's the guy you want to be your starting quarterback. When you have to look at the growth he had in college, I mean, when he first came into the starting role in Alabama, people were talking about you would be better off changing his position to a running back if he wanted to make the NFL. People were talking about how he's more of a thrower than a passer. And certainly, I mean, the transformation from his rookie, from his freshman year 
to the last year in Oklahoma. I mean, this guy was second in the Heisman race behind Joe Burrow. He's totally transformed his game to the point where he could be a legitimate NFL quarterback. All right, let's talk about another new legitimate NFL quarterback, and that's Tua Tagovailoa. And the Sheridan report, if they listen today, remember Bobby said Tua wasn't going to be nothing, didn't he? Yeah, he said Justin Herbert was better than him, right? Yeah, where's Justin Herbert now, Bobby? Well, now, but, Mike, watch yourself there because you just gave a double what? negative. You gave a double negative. I'm well, not right. wasn't going to be nothing. So that means he, Bobby was saying he was going to be something. Because that's a double negative. <laughs> Damn. The one so, day what's your grammar on these? One this day, is a highfalutin show now, you know. One day you paid attention in English class, and it happened to be that day. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> Let, let's go ahead and let's look at the Chiefs and the Dolphins. And this is a game that I think started out the way we expected it to, Sam. But yeah, a little bit slow. Kansas City wasn't really getting on the eight ball that early. And it ends up being 14-10 at halftime. Kansas City's got a slim lead. They jump out with 16 points in the third quarter. That's really when they caught fire. But ultimately, I mean, it got really close at the end. It was a six-point difference for Miami. They just couldn't, you know, finish off the game. Sometimes those close-game situations at the end, you know, you try onside kicks, you try all kinds of things. You don't really get the opportunity to win those games. And it just didn't work out for them at the end. But I think the Dolphins proved it with Tua and what he did against the Chiefs that, hey, this team's a legitimate threat here. They've been they've lost some tough games against good opponents this year, and they're eight and five. But I think he rebounded really well against Kansas City. Yeah, and I think the thing that depressed me the most about Tua was. It seemed like he got more comfortable as the game progressed. And we talked, Steve, about Josh Allen and how he overcame a difficult start. But for a rookie to do this against the defending world champions, I think it's highly impressive. Oh, I do too. I, I, I think I think a couple things here. First off, you're looking at a potential rematch in the first round of the playoffs. The way it sits right now in the AFC standings, because Miami fell to number eight and the Colts passed them, or number seven. And the Colts jumped up to number six. So you could be looking at Kansas City again uh, with, with Miami. I think that, you know, to me, Miami as a team is probably one year away from being a, a threat that you're not going to have to worry about. I mean, I think people are not going to want to play Miami next year if they stay healthy, build a little bit. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone. Keep everybody they got. Um, to me, Kansas City is a team. I, you don't ever really worry about how Kansas City starts a game because in the last two years, they've proven they know how to finish football games. And, yeah. and, and, and that's the magic of Mahomes. Uh, you know, it, it got, what, 14 points? I think they were up – weren't they up 14 points at some point early in the game? I would say it was later in the game, wasn't it, Sam? Wasn't it? But, yeah, I mean, they got up pretty significantly. They were up by yeah, four at halftime. They were up 20 points by the, the end of the third quarter. It, it wasn't with, with Kansas City. It wasn't if it's going to happen. It's just 
when is Mahomes going to break out and start being, you know, Mahomes? Yeah, but and the, he thing, did. the thing is this, and I think the thing that Mike makes Miami dangerous is the defensive backfield mm-hmm. with guys like Xavier and Howard, because Patrick Mahomes' stat line looks like a normal stat line until you get the end with the three interceptions. And the three interceptions, the Miami Dolphins defense continues to get better. And even though they gave up 33 points, I mean, those three interceptions show you that, you know, Patrick Mahomes may be able to put 30 on them. But when you give up three picks, maybe you throw in a fumble. The Miami Dolphins are capable of capitalizing on that, which they did at the end of the game and can win the game. So I think this, I think you're right. They're a year away from being a Super Bowl contender, mm-hmm. but I think they are a contender to upset anybody, including the Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs, Sam. I I, I think the, I took away from that game with a few good breaks, even more than they got, a few lucky, goofy bounces. Miami could have won that football game. Uh, you know, I mean, they ended up only losing by what? Six points, wasn't it? Yeah, 33 to 27. Yeah, so... Look, that's one score away. It's a one-score game against the most potent offense in the NFL, uh, and you know, it, with a, with a, with a rookie quarterback. So I, yeah, I I'm thoroughly impressed with Miami's growth and development. And some other programs, you take a look at what they're doing. Well, they got rid of Adam Gase, didn't they? Wasn't that the yeah. first thing they did? Well, that's always the first thing you want to do if you want to turn stuff around. <laughs> Get rid um, of Adam Gase. Yeah, <laughs> but. It, the Jets should have already done it. And every morning I wake up on Monday and wonder why he hasn't been fired. But let's move on to another team, a team that I think is starting to roll now. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fell behind early to the Minnesota Vikings. Came back and beat the Vikings. And the Tampa Bay pass rush showed up just at the right time on Sunday. And, you know, the pass rush was finally there. And Kirk Cousins entered the game with an NFL best fourth quarter ranking of 132. It didn't turn out that way yesterday with Shaquille Barrett notching two sacks. Tampa Bay had six sacks on the day, and the difference in this game was not Tom Brady. It wasn't all that offensive firepower. It was the Tampa Bay pass rush, Sam. No, most definitely. This is what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. This is what we expected a little bit earlier in the season. We thought this pass rush would be deadly, and it was maybe the first five or six weeks, but then kind of trailed off there in the middle of the season. We weren't seeing it as much, especially against like the Rams and the Saints. We didn't get to see that kind of dominant pass rush up front because those teams counteracted it. And we didn't really see that from Minnesota. So they just put Kirk Cousins back there. He basically was the lamb led to the slaughter against a very good defensive front. I am a little concerned about the Buccaneers' offense still. I know they won 26-14, but really they got help from a – Dan Bailey. (laughs) Yeah, obviously Dan Bailey. I think Dan Bailey missed 10 points worth of kicks the other day, so it would have been – I mean, that would have been a 24-26 at the end of the game. They also, Buccaneers got a penalty uh, pass interference call in the end zone right before halftime led to a field goal. So, really, this wasn't that much of a, a stick and win, in my opinion. I know they beat them, but at the same point, the offense was not fantastic. And really, what we learned was some defense. Well, see, I think this. I don't think we learned it from the defense. I think we learned it from the pass rush because rushing-wise, Dalvin Cook, 22 carries, 102 yards, and the only thing that saved their ass – was the fact that once they got that two-touchdown lead, Minnesota became more of a passing team. So I think there's – I mean, the pass rush at Tampa Bay is great. I think we worry about the offense a little. But the run def- defense concerns me all going into the playoffs, Steve. Um, yeah. I, I, I felt that – I, from what I was able to see, most of it on red zone with Tampa Bay, 
uh, I thought they were playing well within themselves, as good as I've seen them do all year. And the question I'd have for you, Mike, turning it around just a little bit is, how much of this is it's kind of like how Sam and I feel when we know you're going to be on the air. You know, we just know the show's going to be better than if, if Sam and I or Sam and Sam or anybody would try and do it without you. How much of this is the Brady effect now as they get into the playoffs and all these guys sitting around him? And while he statistically maybe didn't have a good game, but leadership-wise, mentality-wise, um, I saw Bucks players playing a little more upbeat than I'd seen them play, uh, a little more crazy in the end zone kind of stuff play a little bit more like kids. Uh, and then is, is there an effect there that it's like you just know Brady's sitting back there? How about that, Steve? Let, let me put it to you this way. In 1981, when you played for the Indiana Hoosiers, what was the effect Isaiah Thomas had? I mean, you knew if the game was close at the end, he could take it over at any time and win you the game. That gives you more confidence as a player whether you're playing 10 minutes or 40 minutes. You know when you go in, even if you screw stuff up, Isaiah could bail your ass out. Well, in '81, it was it was the combination of Isaiah and myself, but that's okay. Sure, it was because we did combine for 26 points sure in was. the national championship game. But yeah, so to my point, um, I think you're going to see Tampa Bay continue to improve from here on out these last three games and round themselves out. And I I, I think we might be sitting here in a couple weeks saying Tampa Bay is the most dangerous team in the NFC right now the team you're going to want to play the least. Well, I, I think that they are the most dangerous team right now. I, I don't think that they're the best team. The best team is Drew Brees in New Orleans, but I'm not so sure that I'm betting no. on New Orleans playing Tampa Bay in an NFC championship game right. just because of Tom Brady. Well, and because of Drew Brees. I just don't know how healthy he's going to be when he comes back. But I think that with Brady sitting back there, a rising tide raises all buoys. And while Tom, like he said, it wasn't a 400-yard what? I just oh, you, took a drink. Yeah, uh, remember the drinking game whenever you make a cliche. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, okay, now I've lost my train of thought. Go ahead. <laughs> <I don't laughs> I want to ask you this. You're like six foot eight, at least you were when you were younger. Now you're probably six, five and a half. But when you're six foot eight, how many X's go in front of the L on the Colt sweatshirt? How many X's go in front of the L in the? Yeah. Oh, well, you see, that's a misnomer. I buy three XLs, but you have to remember, it's very almost impossible to find three XLT, which is you need the three XL mostly for the length. Yeah. So you, you have to buy a size up um, to get the length because it goes by incremental inches and inches based on X's in front of L's. They add an inch to the length of everything too. So you're kind of, you know, the world is not built for people my size. I it's know. Not. I know. It's, it's built for midgets like you. I'm Sam. six foot and a half inch. How tall are you, Sam? I'm 5'11". Right, yeah. Sam. Sam's midget. a midget. You actually can't be a grown man under, under six feet tall, I don't think. Yeah. But – Let's go to the Colts, who beat the Raiders 44-27. to The thing that stood out to me was Kenny Moore's interception. I, that might have been one of the greatest defensive plays I've ever seen. And it was a huge play in the game, and it thwarted what could have been a TD pass to Darren Waller in the end zone. The, Cats, the Colts capitalized on the ensuing possession with a field goal, 
and all of a sudden they're in the lead 20 to 20 to 14 at halftime. Kenny Moore's play here, while not just spectacular, Steve, had a huge impact on the way this game went because that gave the Colts momentum that they took out of the first half and into the second half. Yeah, and then I think uh, the um, Raiders came right out and score on the first possession of the second half. So that momentum was not was short-lived. No, it wasn't because the Colts scored every time they had the every damn ball. ball yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that the Colts scoring on every time they had the ball was what I think every football team is looking for right now, and that's balance in their offense. Obviously, if you're going to get 150 yards out of Taylor in your running game, that's going to free up um, Rivers to not have to be so spectacular, although I think he threw for 244 yards three TDs, and then you've got the, the reawakening of uh, of uh, T.Y. Hilton. So the Colts right now are playing what every football team's trying to get to right now. Now, can the Colts sustain that? Uh, for the, they got they, they don't have an easy path. I think they play – they've got to they play Houston again, which although Houston got thumped yesterday, uh, they're still a dangerous football team. They still have to go to Pittsburgh. Um, and then they play, uh, they're going to finish the season with Jacksonville, who is going to end up being a painful loss to them because it's going to cost them the AFC South division. That game's going to cost them the AFC South, um, and a home home game in the first round of the playoffs. So what I liked about the Colts was I I saw balance. Um, the thing I liked about the Colts, Steve, was this. This is what a dominant day looks like for an offensive line. Mm -hmm. They gave up a goose egg in the sack column. They ran for 6.8 yards per carry. And the other thing is this. Jonathan Taylor ran for seven yards per carry or seven and a half yards per carry against the Raiders. And the thing is, I've talked badly about Jonathan Taylor because I thought he was going to be a stud coming into the NFL and he'd been kind of a bust and made me look bad. I don't like to look bad. But his north side, north south style of running is an ideal complement to Naheem Hines. Yeah. Yeah, it's two different t- types of running backs, and you really strive to have both those guys going at the same time. They did to some degree the other day. You have Jonathan Taylor, 20 carries, 150 yards. We talked about that already. Behind seven carries, a little bit more faster, a little bit out of the backfield kind of running back, 58 rushing yards there, 17 receiving yards as well. To me, the bigger storyline for right now have been Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. I mean, these guys have connected well so far. And T.Y. Hilton, the past three games, he was injured almost all year prior to this, but past three games, 17 receptions, 277 yards, and four touchdowns. If you get him coming alive, suddenly you got a number one option. Philip Rivers is keeping the ball safe, not turning it over. This offense becomes much more high powered at this point when you have all these players healthy and protecting the football. Yeah, Mike Honcho puts in that's a cool ass name, by the way. How well is the Broncos' re- record aging with the Colts and Eagles doing well? I mean, I think with the Colts playing the way they are, I don't know that the Eagles are doing well. The Eagles played well yesterday. They did. They beat Carson Wentz. They didn't beat Jalen Hurts. But I think we'll see if the Browns' record is aging well tonight more than anything else. We will get to that game at the end of the show. We'll finish up with that. Now we're going to go to the well, Cardinals. Hey, no, I got a question for you, Mike, regarding this yeah. game, or or Sam, either one. Let me go to Sam because I'm always asking Mike because uh, you know, you but I got to keep I got to keep Bobby fluent in in the Sheridan report. Yeah, he continues to call you the goat, so I, I I've got a financial deal with Bobby and the Sheridan report that I'm going to keep calling you the goat 
um, I get a per diem fee or a, a uh, that's really been my nickname yeah. since like junior high school, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, the Colts, uh, here's the question I have as a Colts fan, obviously, and, and the Colts moved up a slot to number six in the playoffs. They're right now slated to face Buffalo. Would the Colts rather face Buffalo or Pittsburgh in the playoffs? Pittsburgh? Who the hell? That's just, did you watch the game? Oh, he's asking me the question here, Mike. Who are you to respond? Well, you're not an Mike, idiot. Mike's going to answer Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, Mike, Sam? Mike's right. It's Pittsburgh. I mean, you play Pittsburgh. You do play Pittsburgh in week 16, so you'll kind of get a feel for it. I would much rather play a rematch against Pittsburgh than play Buffalo for, I think, the first time this year. Well, I can tell you this right now. The thing that impressed me about the Bills is that defense started to look like the Bills' defense we were wanting to see. The only question is, is Pittsburgh's offense that bad, or was Buffalo's defense really that improved? Next up, the Cardinals get back on track. I, I believe both of you guys picked the Giants in this game, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen here. Giants edge rusher, Marcus Golden, blasted Jana Jones, forced a fumble. I mean, it was former Giants edge rusher to set the tone for this blowout game. And this was a mess. The Cardinals saved their season. This was a huge game. The Cardinals are definitely in the playoff hunt right now, Sam. I don't know how big a threat they are if they get there because I think it's another team that may be a year away, maybe two years away after they fired Cliff Kingsbury. What do you think? I mean, they're actually in the playoff picture right now because the Vikings who were ahead of them lost. So Arizona is actually in the final wild card spot in the moment. I don't think they're a big postseason threat, really. I mean, they're probably going to get there. Their schedule, let's see what their schedule is the rest of the year they get. The Philadelphia Eagles, the 49ers, the Rams, eh, that could be difficult. I don't really know. It depends week to week on how someone like Jalen Hurts plays or Nick Mullins. I think they'll get to the playoffs, but realistically, they're not a huge start once they get there. They don't have a great defense. I mean, Kyler Murray's up and down, but I think you can scheme around him. If you have a good pass rush, you're going to force Kyler Murray to make a lot of mistakes. I don't think Arizona's getting past the first round of the playoffs if they get there. How about this? I would rather play the Cardinals right now than the Vikings, Sam. No, I'm fine with that. I mean, Dalvin Cook is a huge Dalvin Cook is a huge game changer, and so is Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I think the Vikings have a much more high powered offense, and frankly, their defense is better as well. So I'm not in, I'm not opposed to that. I think Minnesota has a better team right now. And Mike Zimmer's the head coach. Yeah, when we look at the Giants, Steve, are they done? Um Yes, I, I I believe that they they were running a. They Damn were it, Steve! You said that they were going to finish the season strong and win the division. Well, you changed your mind off one bad game. Well, I, I I think that it was so precarious for them. They had to keep winning for them to have a chance. I mean, I I think that there's, you know, you look at what Philadelphia did yesterday. You look at Washington getting another win. Um, I don't think that New York Giants football club has the moxie to catch back up now. Oh, I, I think this. I don't think they have the talent, but I don't think Moxie is questioned with this team. I, this is a tough team. They just don't have enough players. I think well, maybe Moxie, I meant talent. So. I think their one hope here is this. I think their biggest hope is the Browns beat the Ravens tonight. And the reason I say that, Sam, is if the Browns beat the Ravens tonight, they'll probably have a world championship celebration for a week, socially distanced, with mask on in Cleveland. And then the Browns will come lay an egg against the Giants. It's what they do, though, right? I mean, that's kind of their – That's what a lot of teams do, though, by Yeah, that's way. true. To be fair, a lot of teams have done that this year. So I wouldn't be shocked if that's the outcome. That sounds, like like a a fan to, that sounds like what a Pittsburgh fan is hoping the Browns do. 
Well, yeah, as well. I mean, the Browns. Yeah. Listen, the I know. Browns are, I'm same boat. So. The Browns for the past two decades have been the gift that keeps on giving. Hey, so hey wait a second. It, David Burnworth, who used to be my favorite listener, just said goofiest of all time with a question mark. Huh. That's almost as offensive as the time that one woman got on here and said that Sam sounded like a soy boy. Well, David, who you, who's the goofiest of all time? I don't know, but I think he's referring to me. I mean, he means I think he's get referring on here. to the goat over there. Oh, goat, goofiest of all time. He oh. better get on here and straighten this up and just say that it was Steve Risley or Sam Teets real quick. Uh, David, you're welcome to come on the show uh, anytime you want and, and take well, my on one-on-one. I think he'd kick you into the next universe. How about this, D- David? We we could have David on to pick the games with us Friday. Uh, David, there sounds like a challenge. So if you're up for it, David, just type yes. If you're afraid, just leave it alone. You gotta wash right. your hair. David, you gotta wash your hair. How do you know he's got hair? Uh, well, if you have hair, you gotta wash your hair. Okay. Um, next up, Washington. Or wear a hat. Washington continues to roll. Let's see. Steve, at least I'm not fat. All right. So <laughs> Washington continues to roll with a 23 to 15 win over to San Francisco 49ers. Alex Smith went out with injury. How bad is the injury, Sam? It's a hamstring. It's minor. It sounds like he, they're not ruling him out for next week, but they're not saying, you know, they're being kind of quiet about whether he's going to play or not. It's against Seattle. I think he could play. I mean, it sounds like just a minor hamstring tweak. I think he'll play. You know what this is? A commercial? Right, and you know what that means. Time for a snack? Wrong. I want you to do some heart-healthy exercise. Yes, you! Try some seated leg extensions right now. Just lift each leg up and extend it straight, one at a time, six to eight times. I can do that. Yes, you can. Remember, every commercial is a chance to sneak in heart-healthy activity. Visit findexerciseanywhere.com and speak with your doctor to learn more about the risks of heart failure. Today's episode is brought to you by Clorox. When it counts, trust Clorox the same way we trust essential workers to provide the care they give to us. Families trust Clorox to give them a safe and protected home. Our community heroes trust Clorox to keep places like hospitals and grocery stores disinfected. So I know I too can trust Clorox to provide my home with a safe environment at home we can all enjoy. So I have a story for you, Amanda. Um, with Clorox, there's one thing I definitely use it for every single time before I step into my vanity van. Uh, I love the entire place disinfected because that's where I keep my makeup. Uh, that's where I get ready. That's where my clothes are. That's sometimes where I take a nap as well. So, you know, I can use it all over like time of need. So, um, yeah, it's been really, really, it just keeps everything super clean and I, I feel super safe. For me, it's important to share with loved ones and the public in general how they can give the most care for their loved ones, especially during times like these. I mean, with the pandemic going on, with COVID going on, it's just great to be extra sanitary with all the items that are around you, caring for others, and you know, just wiping down the door handle after you use the bathroom or wiping down so the So important. The toilet. So important. The toilet handle. Don't forget the toilet handle. (laughs) So remember, when When it counts, counts, trust Clorox. Yeah, and he didn't play real well, but he's still Alex Smith. I trust him more than Dwayne Haskins. But Washington's defensive line gives them a chance in any game they play, Steve. 
uh, I was reading David Butter, uh, David's comments. What did you repeat your question? No, Steve, pay attention to the show instead. I was reading Dave. He's he's sucking back up to you now. Well, hold on. Look, I want to see it then. Yeah. Nothing but love for Mike. I will be at work, but I can send my pick. Nobody wants you to send your picks in, David. You just need to be on the show. It doesn't have to be this Friday. It can be another Friday. You can pick a day. And we'll let you come on with Steve Risley. Who no, no I'll drop out of that show. Why? I'm no, match. I'm no match for David. Well, no, you're probably not. But still, you're no match for me or Sam, and you're still no, here. I, it goes without saying. You're a match for McGinnis. I just said that because McGinnis is probably watching. He's probably like, what the heck? But <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to get Lucas back on the show. I might get something accomplished there. Well, he can't be on the show because, you know, he's probably celebrating over the Cleveland Indians name change. All right. Next up, the Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions because most people beat the Detroit Lions. But it was 31 to 24. The Packers clinched the NFC North Championship again, which they've done for every year since like 1990, I think. And hey, Mike, Mike, do you realize the Colts swept the NFC North? Well, do you realize, Steve, that that's really not a huge accomplishment, except for beating the Packers? Yeah, they beat all four teams there. Why don't we play in the NFC North instead of the AFC South? I don't know, Steve. Maybe you'll have to call the Ursays and find out. But does this you, game... You know, the Colts were originally an NFL team, not an AFL team. I hate to tell you this, Steve, but the Colts were originally Baltimore's team until they were stolen in the dark of night in a Mayflower van in 1984 <laughs> in a snowstorm. So just like just like what? just like the election for Joe Biden. Oh, come on, Steve. If you get out of the politics. Yeah, we don't talk about politics on this show, Steve, because they're all pathetic and they're all disgusting, and every election that's ever been in this country has been fixed. So let's go on. Go get your vaccine. Suck on the government's teat. And let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I think, do we have a new MVP front runner for MVP, Steve? I, I think we do. I mean, I put him at number one in the quarterback power rankings that will be out tomorrow for tomorrow's show. I've got Rodgers up there. because Patrick Mahomes throws three interceptions, and Rodgers turns around and throws three touchdowns. So to me, that gives him enough. He also ran winning. That gives me enough to put Rodgers ahead of him. He's leading the NFL in touchdowns. He's going to have like 45 touchdowns this year and like maybe five or six interceptions. Steve, since I asked you first and Sam just interrupted and took your question, what oh. do you think? Sorry, Steve, no. I couldn't hear you. No, I, if, I, if I'm going to the playoffs and building uh, a football team, I, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers any day of the week. I think yeah. Aaron's having a very good season. I think he's probably carrying the Packers with his arm, as he's done for many years uh, on large part. But looking, looking at how – um, Kansas City won this week, and how Green Bay won, um, and, and how it's gone on all season long. I don't see the MVP based on one week's play. Neither do I. I, I basically don't think that Aaron Rodgers, he's a distant second. Come on. Bullshit. You know what? For the entire totality of the season, Aaron Rodgers. Check the stats, Sam. Has thrown like four picks. I'll pull it up. Patrick Mahomes threw three yesterday. <laughs> so Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers this year. Go ahead. Aaron Rodgers this year is completing sixty nine point six percent of his throws. Thirty nine touchdowns, most in the NFL. Only four interceptions. A one nineteen point seven pass rating. That's the highest in the NFL as well. 
and the 84.8 QBR, also the highest in the NFL. How many games have the Packers lost? Uh, three. How many games have the, the Chiefs lost? One. There you go. I rest my no, case. Well, no, your case is bullshit because then you think second place would be Big Ben Roethlisberger. No. Why no, not? I, They've I, only lost two games. The <laughs> Packers have lost three, Steve. <laughs> They're not done losing yet. We, we can't base it on We're said right now who the front runner would be, and Aaron Rodgers. Okay, and I say the front runner would be Patrick Mahomes. Which is ignorant because Patrick or Patrick Mahomes has not had a good, as good a year as Aaron Rodgers. We're not talking about who the better quarterback is. We're talking about who deserves to be the most valuable player. Right now, if you put almost any other quarterback in the world in the Green Bay Packers, they'd be a 500 football team. They've got Aaron Jones. they got Patrick Mahomes. Adams. Well, I guarantee you this. I'm not real sure that Patrick Mahomes would only have three losses as the quarterback at the Green Bay Packers. Now, if is the middle word in life, isn't it, Mike? Well, if is this. Hey, right Mike. now, who's had the better career? Mike. Who's had the better career? Well, uh, that's okay. Oh, I well, uh, I would say they're tied in Super Bowls, and Mahomes has already played two seasons. Yeah. What's and Rodgers has played 12, 13 seasons. All right. Now, you he only are, has one Super Bowl. So, it, I don't it, know if that wait. makes a great career. Well, see, this I is mean, the Manning, Brady, uh, let's go down the road here and see how many guys have won more Super Bowls by this point in their career. Well, how about this, Steve? You're the one that always tells me Brady's are not as good as Manning. I, I think that Manning, for a period of time, had less to work with than Brady. However, oh, you're out of your it, freaking it, it, mind. The truth is in the pudding. Let, let's get back to it. Hey, no, let's go ahead. <laughs> let's have this discussion because you said how, how many all pro wide receivers has, I mean, especially in these first 10 years, did Tom Brady had? He had one, Randy Moss, for a year. You know, Edron James is a Hall of Fame running back, Marvin Harrison is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Don't tell me he had more to work with. Tony Dungy's a Hall of Fame coach. Make the Hall of Fame. Who didn't? Edron didn't make the Hall of Fame. He didn't? No. Huh. Where'd Sam go? He left again. He's back. Should we let him in? No. No? Yes. Okay. Well, it says I'm still alive. So, Edron James. Oh, God, he now made I'm the Hall of Fame, didn't he? Edron James did. I thought so. So, I mean. He got the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he did recently. In the past two years, I believe. Yeah. No, he didn't. I don't think he got in. Oh, All right, I'll look it up now. You look know, it up. You, you can screen share it too. We can show it to him. He got in. He's. I know he player. was. I know he was in the finals. In the finals to be got in, but I didn't think he was elected to. So the answer class. me this: since he didn't work with as much, can you tell me the Hall of Fame running back that Tom Brady had to work with? Um. No, but he had Belichick. He had Belichick. Belichick, right. technically, now, not in the Hall of Fame. Let's get and back to the thing. He is in the Hall of Fame. You asked me a question. I told you that I, if I was building a team to go try and win a Super Bowl this year, I would take my arms over Rodgers. Mike, no, do you want to share I, that screen there real quickly? I ask you who should be make the Hall of Fame MVP. So you see that gold tag up there? Yeah. Hall of Fame. Okay. All right. I live in LA. I don't get all the Colts. Daily oh, news. my God. What year did he get elected in the Hall of Fame? Because I bet he lived in Indianapolis then. It would have been this year. 
No, it was a uh, Hall of Fame class of uh, twenty twelve. And yeah, so this year. Oh, was it this year? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you look like a fat kid masturbating to something you said, like a Burger King double whopper on on the internet right there. But what the hell? It is what it is. Next up, the Seattle Seahawks beat the New York Jets. Who gives a shit? All right, let's get to America's team, the Cincinnati Bengals, who turned the game over to the Dallas Cowboys. Three turnovers right on their first three possessions, three fumbles. The great thing there is nobody's done that in like a decade in the NFL, so the Bengals have that. Now, let's go to Zach Taylor, who's a complete and utter bitch still. As yesterday, Gio Bernard fumbles in the first drive. He gets benched for the entire first half. Gio Bernard had not fumbled in 830 carries in the NFL, but yet Zach Taylor benched him. Is Zach Taylor the biggest bitch of the 2020 season, Sam? He's got to go. This guy's got to be out. I mean, you can't bench a guy who has been one of the best or at least most secure running backs in the NFL when you don't have Joe Mixon on the team. And, and frankly, you're just you're throwing away games. I mean, they're going to lose anyways. Don't get me wrong. But Zach Taylor is making it so much worse. I mean, he's making it like an embarrassing loss. At least compete with the Dallas Cowboys. At least make it close. At least put up some kind of fight. But no, Zach Taylor just wants to lose in the most shameful way possible. Yeah, and Steve, the Bengals are a team that since week five, in the third quarter of every game, have kicked a total of two field goals. They've scored six points in third quarters from game five to now. It's a bad football team. It's a bad football organization. No, it's a, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody. As long, yeah, I think as, it is. as long as Mike, the Brown family, continues to run it, they continue to be dismal. I mean, 1981 was their last claim to fame, hmm. basically. I guess, I guess, I mean, you'll know better than me. because I guess if you don't count the Super Bowl in 1988, yeah. 88, okay. Well, then 88. That, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't follow the Bengals that closely, but I know it's been quite a while. Steve, it's Steve. a bad organization. What do you want Steve, out of them? Steve, until I have for you, the question I would have for you, and you can answer this to all of our, our, our listeners, um, what is the benefit of crapping out on a coach right now versus now, and I know what your answer is going to be, but crapping out on a coach right now or just saying, you know what, ride it to the end of the year and then clean your desk out as soon as uh, the Monday morning of the, the last game of the season. Well, well I mean, I know what the difference, I know what you're going to say. If, if you're all right, people. if you're all right with giving up and saying to hell with it, yeah, that's fine. Well, what else would the Bengals do? Um, they, lost, they lost the premier player and the young player in the NFL. Dude, I don't know, but if you watched the Miami Dolphins last year, they started 0-7 just like the Bengals did. The Dolphins won, I think, five games at the end of the season, and that gave them momentum into the offseason. It gave people hope. And now it's a team that's got, what, eight or nine wins. They're probably going to be in the playoffs. In 1981, we talked about 81, the Bengals finished that year strong. They went 6-10. and 10. They beat Pittsburgh twice. They rolled that over into the next season. The thing is this. When you allow somebody who is a complete and utter failure to basically make a mockery of somebody or of an entire team, an entire city, an entire organization, just like Mike Brown does. But when you let this guy treat Gio Bernard like this, Gio Bernard is a guy who has barely touched the ball the two years Zach Taylor's been here. Gio Bernard is a great running back. And he has been completely screwed over. And to take a man that has given the city of Cincinnati eight great years, and he fumbles one time at the start of a game, 
in a two nine and one season and to try to make a scapegoat out of him, that's the kind of guy that should have his ass fired. You don't see Doug Marone doing that in Jacksonville. He's keeping his head down, taking his ass whoopings. We'll let him finish the season. But Zach Taylor, you just said the organization and the ownership's bad. It's bad because they allow stuff like this to happen, Steve. And you know what? If you ever want to fix it, you have to address it when it happens. This is like having, you know, you know you got cancer. You know where it's at. But shit, we're going to wait four or five more weeks before we address it. The cancer will just grow. And the thing is, this organization is so poorly run, they're never going to fire him during the season. And you're going to get what you want. And that's what the Bengals do. I mean, Dave Shula was an utter joke in the early 90s. Dave Shula looks like Vince Lombardi compared to this bozo. And, I mean, he's a guy that is taking Carlos Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap was one of the best defensive end pass rushers in the NFL over the last seven years. He's a guy that did all kinds of stuff in the community in Cincinnati. And Zach Taylor traded him because the dude called Zach Taylor out on his BS. He traded him. And now you're going to sit Gio Bernard. And Gio Bernard is the one that three weeks ago, when all these rumors came out of the Bengals locker room, all these players wanted him gone. Gio Bernard is the one that stood up and said, I love Zach Taylor. I want him to be here. And then you're going to turn your back and stab him in his back after he defended you? It's uncalled for. It's unprofessional. And he's not a football coach at any level. Well, okay, let me ask you this. What do you think the chances of him being around at the end of the season are? 50-50, unfortunately. Seriously? Yeah. Okay, well. I think it's higher than that. He'll probably, it's probably 70-25. I mean, 75-25, right, Mike? I, I really think it's 50-50, especially if they look like they did the last couple weeks. Because the thing you have is Joe Burrow is going to come back next year. That's going to have people excited. Having the same coaching staff is going to kill a lot of that excitement. If you all of a sudden can add a new coach that has energy, Zach Taylor doesn't have energy. When you watch Zach Taylor speak, he does not command the room. All right? If you are anywhere and a head football coach walks in the room, you know, Steve, when Bobby Knight walked in the room, even if you didn't see him walk in the room, you felt his ass walk in the room because he commanded the room. Zach Taylor does not command the room. And, you know, Mike Tomlin, I'm pretty sure when he walks in, everybody knows Mike Tomlin's there. You know, Bill Belichick, everybody knows he's there. Zach Taylor, everybody say, hey, who's that kid over there? Does he work at Walmart? I like to make at least one Walmart reference in every show. But that's my reason. I mean, if a guy is obviously not the guy that's going to be the coach next year, why you dick around with him? Just go ahead and hang his ass now, put him out of his misery. That was the question I asked. And you gave the answer. All right. And I sense as much frustration out of you as uh, all the rest of the Bengals fans. There is no frustration with me with this. There's really not. The only thing that I have is apathy right now. I I can tell you this. I spent two years ago hoping they'd lose to get rid of Marvin Lewis. I spent last year hoping they'd lose to get Joe Burrow. Now I'm hoping they'd lose to get Zach Taylor fired. So what the hell? I really haven't cheered for the Bengals seriously to win a game probably in four years. That's a sad state of affairs. It's apathy, and it's what you get in almost the entire city of Cincinnati is apathy. Everybody's wondered why the hell they keep this guy around. Mike Brown's still there. Chances are nothing's going to change. But he'll be dead soon, and that's the only consolation I can take. All right, Derrick Henry runs past the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know that might be harsh, but he's a miserable son of a bitch. Well, I mean, and again, this goes to really to the Bengals show you do, but the next question I would ask you is why does – 
why did the Bengals stay in Cincinnati? Why didn't Cincinnati just say, get out of here? Because when the stadium deal done, it was 1996, I think, yeah. when they voted on it, 97. That's within a decade removed from a Super Bowl appearance. you know. And the, the Cincinnati Bengals are loved in Cincinnati. And if you watched it in 2015 when they were kicking everybody's ass, everybody was pumped up, the place was packed. The thing is this, it always comes back to the same thing. You know, they are not run like a professional organization. And right now, the reason they don't leave is because the city of Cincinnati paid for all but $1 million of that stadium. The taxpayers in Cincinnati are still paying on that stadium, and they will be for a long time. Now, the worrisome thing is if this doesn't get turned around by 2026, the Bengals have an out and a lease in the option, and so does the city. So it's possible you get to 2026, maybe the Bengals end up going somewhere else because everybody's so apathetic. You know, Joe Burrow gets hurt again next year. And I mean, it just, the, the stuff just falls apart. And that's kind of the way it looks like it's going to me right now. I think Burrow's going to be playing for the Colts next year anyway. See, this is the thing. If Joe Burrow was going to go somewhere, it definitely wouldn't be Indianapolis. Why? Best offensive line in the NFL? But it's Indianapolis. I mean, hell, if you're going to leave Cincinnati to go to Indianapolis, you're still going to Aren't they sister cities? Aren't Cincinnati sister cities? That's kind of my point, Steve. Yeah, that's that's one of the issues there. You know, Pittsburgh's a great Pittsburgh's a great place to be from. No, this is the thing, though. And we're not I'm not saying Pittsburgh. I'm saying if you want to go somewhere, you want to go to Dallas, you want to go to LA. You want to go to – there is no San Diego, Steve. But you go to Dallas, oh, well, you go to L.A., you go to New York, you go to Chicago. Dude, Joe Burrow in Chicago would be worth more money than Joe Burrow anywhere. That's probably true. So right, We better go on because this is turning into the Bengals show. All right, let's go to Derrick Henry, who destroyed the Jaguars yesterday. I will tell you this. I think Derrick Henry should be the NFL MVP. Well, he's having a better year almost than he did last year. He's already got – He's eight, yard, he's eight yards shy of his rushing totals from last year. And he's averaging 117.8 yards per carry this year, over one rushing touchdown per game. I mean, he, what he's accomplishing, we don't see many, very many running backs that keep doing this in back-to-back years anymore. Well, we haven't seen very many running backs that could do this in one year in our entire lifetime, Steve. Um, no, he's in an elite class of running backs. I mean, you got to look at OJ um, as a football player, not as a – uh, human being, but um, he was you know, found not guilty. Steve, let it go. Yeah, um, I was talking about his uh, armed robbery charges in Las Vegas, oh, trying okay. to get his memorabilia back. Well, that ain't no big deal. So <laughs> he got convicted of that one. Hey, how about uh, this? You know, Eric Dickerson's in that class. I mean, there are a few hey, other. The thing is, this running backs. That, he's on peace. Sam, he can get 2,000 yards this year, couldn't he? Oh, he'll he get 2,000 yards. He's, he's at gonna... 15, 1570 or something right now. Yeah, he's he, at fifteen thirty-two. He's averaging one hundred seventeen per game. He's not. He's not going to get there this way. He'll have to have a very big game. Yeah, another game like well, another game you know like what? this weekend. This is the thing. He plays the Lions, the Packers, who have one of the worst defenses in the NFL, run defenses in the NFL, right. and then he finishes with the Texans. So I think you could see four hundred and fifty, five hundred yards in those three games without an issue. I think four fifty for sure. Would four fifty put him a little short, Sam? Uh, 450 would put him about 20 yards short. Yeah, 20 yards short. Yeah. I, so, I think the bigger thing here about Tennessee is is it, it both somewhat we talked about with the Colts, what they demonstrated this week. The balance in Tennessee makes them incredibly dangerous football team in the playoffs. Uh, Tannehill is 
is a bona fide star in the NFL as a quarterback. Um, he can make plays when he has to. Just when you have a Derrick Henry in, in your backfield, you don't have to make the plays. Um, you can manage the offense and do the other things he needs to do. The, yeah, but the thing is this, Steve. Ryan Tannehill makes him even more valuable. Exactly. The threat of Ryan Tannehill makes it from throwing somebody, everybody up there. It's a good combination. I mean, I, I and it's a much better combination than what the Colts have because Tannehill's much more active and mobile and effective as a quarterback. I mean, um, Rivers is so one-dimensional because of his arm strength and his inability to move uh, that if somebody starts putting pressure on uh, Rivers as opposed to Tannehill can scramble, can move out of the pocket, can run the football. He's young enough. He's durable enough. Um, I, I start crying the minute uh, Rivers takes a step forward toward the toward the uh, scrimmage line. I mean, oh my God! I, mean, he's, I think people forget that Tannehill started off as a wide receiver in college, so he can move. He's got mobility; he just doesn't have to use it very often. Yeah, yeah. When you got Derrick Henry back there, but uh, and Mike, you're not too far off base saying Derrick Henry might be the true MVP in the league. Well, I think if he runs for over 2,000 yards and this team wins 11 or 12 games, yeah. I mean, damn. I mean, he doesn't have too many bad games either. And I just think that a lot of times it'd be nice if somebody that wasn't a quarterback would win the freaking award. When's the last yeah, time really that won. happened? I mean, what's what's more common, 2,000 rushing yards or 40 passing touchdowns? 2,000 rushing yards is much more uncommon at this point. 2,000 oh, rushing yards has not been done that often. Nope. No. And the thing that's impressive, you talked about O.J. Simpson, was O.J. Simpson's 2,003 yards in 1973 was during a how many game season, Sam? Was it 12 games? Damn, Four, Sam. 10, 14. 10 we practiced Four, 14, 14, games. Games. Well, I hope you remember it. I was months ago at this point. I know. All right. I don't know how you remember. You guys really missed on this game, as did I. But the Chicago Bears, 36 to Houston, Texas, 7. And I think what we saw here was Matt Nagy finally figured out how to use Mitch Trubisky, and that was quick, easy reads. They rolled him out of the pocket often, especially in the first half. So it was basically just throwing the short ball. He builds a little confidence against a bad defense. They win the game 36-7. Their defense shut down Deshaun Watson. The Texans had no answers for this. The Bears, all of a sudden, we were talking about them finishing last in this division, Sam. Right now, they're only a game out of a playoff spot. It seems crazy to say that considering everything that's happened to them over the past four or five weeks. I mean, we thought they were dead pretty much. Now they're right there potentially competing for a wild card spot. I don't I – mean, the turnaround for this team has been very crazy. I don't know if they're going to do well. They play the Vikings next week. Then it's Jacksonville. It's an easy one. And they finish with the Packers. So it's going to be a tough end-of-season schedule. But, I mean, if they're, if they're going to prove they're going to beat the Vikings and the Packers, if they can do that, then they probably deserve a playoff spot. Yeah, but they're probably not going to be both no, of them. They, probably won't. they might get one of them. Plus, the Packers may have everything clinched and may have nothing to play for that last game also. Could happen that way, but, you know, that'd be that's asking for quite a lot. You're going to have to have a lot of help if you want to get to that point. Yeah, plus when we're asking for other teams to tank it, that means maybe they're not good enough anyways. I think they fall short. Mitchell Trubisky, still Mitchell Trubisky. And when they play the Vikings or the Packers, Mitchell Trubisky is going to have to not be Mitchell Trubisky. And I don't think he could not be Mitchell Trubisky, Sam. No, I don't think so. I mean, we saw we saw he did pretty well, but it's a Houston Texans defense and a Houston Texans team that really doesn't have many key players at this point. They really had down Deshaun Watson and aging JJ Watt. Maybe you got one more guy on the defense to help him out, but we really don't have much there. Hey, where do our picks from this past weekend stand going into Monday night? Uh, I'll pull up the record right now. I think you got ten. You're ten and five, Mike. I know that for a fact. 
that tells so you're me ten not- five. I am. You're ten and five. Steve has did not pick the Thursday night game. Is come on, work computer work. Uh, Steve is. Steve's got nine wins right now. So Steve is nine five. I'm nine six. You're ten five. Okay, so I'm winning. That's what's important. All right, next up, the Chargers slip past the Atlanta Falcons, and I, I don't know who cares, but I, I think this. The little bit I saw this on the red zone is the amount of self-destructed energy displayed by each of these teams (laughs) in this game and in recent years. It's almost, you know, it's hard to watch them play. I mean, both of these teams, I mean, it's like a Cincinnati Bengals inner squad scrimmage. It is bad. I mean, both coaches are trying to lose the game. Matt Ryan threw like three interceptions. Herbert threw an interception. No one wants to win these games anymore. Yeah. Herbert's not exactly lighting it up anymore either, Steve. No, but he's beloved out here. Well, it's because he's mean, got long hair like a girl. Uh, well, I mean, he did cut it. He did cut it? I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, he I, did. You, don't watch, you don't watch Chargers, so you wouldn't know. That's right. No one watches the Chargers, so no one knows. It was I, a red you know, phone. I, you see it for a couple minutes here or there, and he's got his helmet on. And I, don't I just was honked off because that was the afternoon game out here in L.A., and I'm thinking – you know, you could be showing the Raiders and the Colts as the afternoon game, too. Different conferences, and, though. Um, was it the same channels? Well, it was on the CBS feed. There's hey, only- I told you how to go on the PlayStation 4 and watch all the games for free, and you refused to listen. I don't know how to turn a PlayStation 4 on. I don't even know how to turn one on. You don't even know how to turn a woman on. Next up, the Denver Broncos. Over to Carol. That was good, Steve. Come on. Well, I'm sorry. It was, it was well mean, but it was good. All right. The Denver Broncos beat the Carolina Panthers. Drew Locke looked like the quarterback you thought could get the Broncos to the playoffs at the start of the year, Sam. I'm going to check with Wendy on that comment. Why? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Just leave it there. Move on. Hey, all I, I know do is like, you've, got like, like, kid. you've got one you got, kid. I've got three. <laughs> You don't know that they're all yours. Yeah, I do. I made her take a DNA test because one of them was handsome. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, Drew Lock, you're right. He looked really good the other day. He looked better than I expected him to after everything that's happened so far this year. I think he still has one more interception thrown and touchdown, though. It shows you just how poorly he's played up to this point. All right. Um, do they go with Drew Lock going into next year or do we wait a couple weeks see what happens or does it matter and John Elway needs to go say Steve yeah John Elway needs to go along with your lock and the head coach I said Steve again and he just took your question again Steve you said it too quietly I couldn't hear you what was the question I don't even know anymore let's move on to the night John Elway need to go yeah Yeah. he's not gonna go anywhere he's a favorite son he's not going anywhere yeah they need to get a new favorite he owns half of Denver and Manning owns the other half so the Browns and Ravens tonight. The thing that surprises me here, Steve, is the Ravens are actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite the last time I checked. Where the game's at Baltimore, isn't it? It doesn't matter. Yeah, but that doesn't really matter so much this year. Yeah, well, it does weather-wise. It's at I mean, Cleveland. It's at it's, Cleveland. It's at Cleveland? Well, they're going to get snow. Isn't there a big snow belt coming in? I don't know. I don't live in Cleveland. I live in Cincinnati. That's an old Sam Weiss thing. Oh. But, uh, I I I think I think that the Cleveland Browns are in, in their universe are a real deal. I don't think that they're a fluke. Now, do I think they're going to contend for the Super Bowl? 
Absolutely not. Do I think that they're a good football team uh, who's going to get better and better and better? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I think that they can beat anybody. I think Mayfield continues to mature, plays um, somewhat within himself, but he's got a good core of people, uh, good running backs and Nick Chubb and those guys uh, around him. Um, I think they're a fairly balanced football team, and I, I wouldn't want to be facing the Cleveland Browns right now. They're just a, they have nothing. To, they don't fear anything. I get that impression. All right. Are you picking the Browns? Uh, yeah, I'm picking the Browns. All right, Sam, this is a huge game. I think the Ravens lose this game. They're going to miss the playoffs. I know the rest of their schedule is easy, but right now they're sitting a game behind a Miami team that looked really good, and if they lose, they're not going to catch Cleveland, and that brings you down to your third playoff team, which would be the Colts right now, and they would be two games behind them. So I think a Ravens lost tonight, and that's it for them for this season. Yeah, which is really crazy considering some of the hype surrounding them going into the year. And, you know, I have a feeling you're going to take the Browns. So I'm going to take the Ravens here just to try to get a game back on you, just to see if I can tie it up here for the games for the week. And really, I mean, I don't know. Is it going to come down to coaching tonight? I feel like John Harbaugh – I don't want to beg against John Harbaugh, but I feel like Cleveland has their identity figured out. I don't know if Baltimore does. Well, I, I think the problem for Baltimore is this. Their identity is one thing, and that is it. The one thing we saw about the Cleveland Browns last week is they can throw the ball a little bit. They, and I, when I come down and I look at this – Defensively, Baltimore might be better, but the best defensive player on the field plays for Cleveland and Miles Garrett. The other thing that is mind-blowing is the fact that Miles Garrett's who they nominated for the NFL Man of the Year. So if he wins it when he goes to pick up the trophy, hopefully he won't have a helmet there swinging it at people. But I think coaching-wise, I mean, Harbaugh's the better coach. Running game-wise, I think the Browns are better. I mean, that one-two punch running the ball, I think you can limit Lamar Jackson with Miles Garrett and his ability to run the ball. You're going to force Lamar Jackson to beat you throwing the ball. He cannot do that. Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson, and it's not even close. I'm going to take the Browns. Yeah, I've heard you would take the Browns. They have a better offensive line, by the way. The offensive line for Cleveland this year has been great. Well, they all, hey, they're going to be better just because Baltimore has a horrible offensive line. I'm telling yeah. you, this is a two-and-a-half-point game that if I had a million dollars, I would bet a million dollars on the Cleveland Browns. I'd give the two-and-a-half points because Cleveland, unless Baker Mayfield tests positive for COVID before the game, which is always possible, Cleveland will win this game, and I think they'll win this game by more than a touchdown, Steve. Um, I agree. I already said my piece on it. I know, but I just wanted to say it just to see if Sam would try to steal it from you again. It'll be interesting, though, to see if Baker Mayfield – see, he had that really good first half year last week. It'll be really interesting to see if he can keep that going or if it's going to be like a – I don't want to say a fluke, but it's going to be a situation where maybe he gets fooled by a Marlon Humphreys or a Marcus Peters in the secondary. Well, he's going to get fooled by him. I mean, yeah. even good quarterbacks get – I mean, Big Ben gets fooled by him. The thing that is key here is when he gets fooled by him and he throws the interception – does he, after that, act like he just threw an interception, if you know what I mean? Or does he yeah. just continue to play? If he just continues to play, the Browns win the game easily. Now, if he pisses his pants after he throws a pick, loses his confidence, and they can't throw the ball at all, then the Ravens can win the game. But, but do, I, you sense that? do you sense that in Mayfield, Mike? I don't sense that. I, I, I have sensed that in have you? last year. Last um, year you did, yeah. Last year, year. This year, he's just been a guy in his third year who's a little inconsistent. So, I mean, right now, 
I mean, I, I think he's going to be all right tonight. That's why I have no problem saying the Cleveland Browns are going to win this football game. And I think a lot of people are going to be shocked by the time this night's over. I think the Browns will run for 200 yards. Baker will throw for 200 yards. I think Cleveland wins the game 27-17. Yeah, Baltimore's going to win it. It's going to be a low-scoring game. So if Cleveland gets 28 points, I think it's probably over by that time. See, I don't know that it'll be that low-scoring because of this. You talked about Marlon Humphreys. Lamar Jackson can throw picks, too. I think this might be a 27-17 game where both teams have 7 to 10 points each attributed to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, boy, there. I didn't consider that. That'd be that would be interesting to see how that plays out. That's why I'm here, Sam. Steve, do you have anything to say before we wrap it up? No, I just think it's uh, sweet how you uh, just picked the Browns just because you locked us out from having a chance to catch you. Although you're only a half game up on me because I wasn't invited to make a pick for the Thursday night game. Well, Steve, we'll just call it a tie then, since you want to be a little bitch about it. Um, okay, thank you. Right. I'll take the tie. There you go. <laughs> Well, now I'm picking the Ravens. No, I'm kidding. But the fact that I said the Ravens were going to win the division three weeks ago, and I don't believe anybody else in the entire world was saying that three weeks ago, and I don't even know if anybody's saying it now, are they, Sam? Well, you're still you're, – I mean, now there's some people saying – I've heard on TV saying the Browns won't win the division. You're not the only one anymore. Nobody – Oh, and Mike, one ago. other thing. Not two weeks ago. Now now you are, though. Now at this point there are more people. One other on thing, Mike, um, in, earlier you made a comment about – the Ravens pathway to the playoffs, they would have to get past Miami before they even got to the Colts. Now no, I'm just saying either one of them, they would have to pass one of the two with three games left. Right. I don't think that's happening. If they win tonight, I think they've got a good shot just because of their schedule. But if they don't win tonight, I think that's it. Finito as they say in the Philippines. Well, I think pretty much now anybody that's not already in the playoffs, you lose the game. Now you're pretty well done. If you're not, I mean, the Colts can afford probably to lose to Pittsburgh, but they've got to win everything else. I mean, yeah. and then they're going to be on the bubble. You know, yeah. um, at nine wins, you have some leeway. Right. At eight wins. You you're, don't really, you're really pushing it there. I yeah, would say you're, that once we get to next week, eight wins, you don't have a lot of leeway. Baltimore's got to win out. Miami's right. got to win at least two out of three. The Colts have to win at least two out of three in the AFC. Well, um, Colts, I think if the Colts get one more win, I think the Colts are fine. Yeah, okay. Be yeah, safe, wins would be good. probably need two, but ten yeah. should get you in until yeah. they got to go play against Kansas City at Kansas City. Hey, yeah. Well, if game. you want, you could just have your team not make the playoffs. Steve, quit whining. Damn, to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to play the Chiefs at some point. You're probably better off to play them right away than you are later on. Well, we should wrap up because I have to go read the Sheridan reports, a uh, goat report. Yeah, and I got to go pee. So on, we're going to wrap on, the show on up. How, how the uh, the goat did on today's show. Yeah, we can't wrap the show up if you keep talking about it. All right. Well, we Damn. just got to get we got to get Bobby's critique. Get the Manscaped promo. Hurry up, Manscaped. Yeah, get a Manscaped promo in. Manscaped promo code TGT twenty for twenty percent off your first purchase plus free shipping. We will be back tomorrow with Sam Teets' quarterback power rankings. If Risley's back on, I don't know. He'll text me if he wants to be, but I'm not. I don't that. believe in power rankings. That 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 you guys in those power rankings crap. That's a week to week thing on a season long. There we go. Watch I didn't talk. do that by the way, Steve. Watch that was all like. Watch him talk. Watch him talk. He's still talking. All right, Steve. Good enough. We're gonna go ahead. We're gonna wrap the show up for Steve Risley for Sam Teets. I'm Mike Goodpaster. You've been listening and watching to the grueling truth, where the legends speak.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.